I considered dancing my way out here or something. It would have been the twist or something. <laughs> Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Uh, that song was the Rolling Stones' first number one hit in the United States. Came out when I was eight years old. That I know that dates me. Um, but uh, it 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 actually I think one of the reasons it was number one, catchy tune, all that you know. But one of the reasons is because we can relate. It was it, it came out in the middle of an era when people were trying all kinds of things to find satisfaction. And they just couldn't. Just all kinds of stuff. When I was uh, 13, I grew up in L.A., L.A. City Schools. When I, was, when I went into junior high, I saw people doing all kinds of stuff to try to find satisfaction. And so that was their first number one hit, probably their theme song throughout their life, trying to figure out how, how to find it. This would actually be a good theme song for what we're talking about today in Ecclesiastes. Uh, we, we've been in Ecclesiastes, which was a book written by Solomon, and in this message series, what we're doing is we're going along for a ride with King Solomon as he tried to figure out what life's all about. What's the point of life? What, what's the meaning of life? How do I find meaning? How do I live a life that brings satisfaction and enjoyment? And so we've been on this ride with him, and he is in a unique place where he could test out all of the, the, the avenues that we tend to go along in order to find satisfaction and meaning in life. Um, he had the absolute power of a monarch. He was gifted from God with wisdom and riches. Um, and unfortunately, at this point in his life, when he began to look back, it was, this was toward, he wrote this book toward the end of his life when he had figured some things out. But looking back, he had at one point in his life turned away from God. And so really the theme of the book is how do you find meaning apart from God? So that's, that's really what he's searching for in, in this search. Um, he, he's probably very bored when he starts the search. You know, he starts experimenting with all kinds of avenues of pleasure. That's the passage we're going to look at today. His dad got into trouble doing this. Uh, King David, his his father, should have been at the battlefront with his truce, but he stayed back. He was taking it easy, just lounging around. Ended up making a horrible decision to to rebel against God, to disobey Him, and it brought horrible consequences into his life and into the the life of his family. So this this is in Solomon's background. And that kind of reflects how it is, isn't it? It's, it's tempting to just cave in and follow our desires when you're in the middle of boring, stress-filled responsibilities. You know, at work, you, you, your mind goes to, you know, I, I'd rather be surfing, I'd rather be uh, dancing, I'd rather be anything, just anything I want to do right now. Besides doing the work I'm doing, that'd be great. You know, when we're under extended times of stress, um, either from schoolwork or conflicts in relationships, whatever it is, it's like, I, I, just, I just want to take a break to party and indulge myself. And we feel justified because, hey, it's been rough lately. So let's just, 
Let's just do this. Let's just go with this. When the kids are screaming and you feel like you have to tell them for the 150th time, you have to give some instruction and some guidance. 150th time that day. Okay, not that week, that day. You know, it's like, oh, take me away, you know, do anything but here. The first week of this series, we saw how Solomon was in a place where he felt like life was stale and it was just, he was on a merry-go-round, same day, over and over and over again. Or sometimes like the zipper right at the carnival. thing makes me sick, the zipper. It'll just make you, whew. So he felt like he was seeing the same thing over and over again. Maybe, maybe slower-paced merry-go-round, faster-paced zipper. But he, he, this is where he is. And so when he, when he describes his determination to follow his desires in the passage we're going to read right now, that's what's going on inside of him as he writes this. Let's, let's see what he says. Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 9. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. In other words, I'm just going to indulge myself and do whatever I think is going to make me happy right now. But behold, this... This was also vanity. It was vanity is just a mist. It disappears. I said of laughter, it's mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So he's trying to figure this out. What, what is this all about? I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks, and I planted them and all kinds of fruit in them, all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which the water uh, to water the forest of growing trees. So he didn't—he didn't just have a few trees in his yard. He had a forest. Remember, he's king, got all kinds of money. He—he was. Going after it here, I, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been seen before me in Jerusalem. So, like, I, I, I was number one on the wealthiest person in Israel list. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Solomon experimented with finding satisfaction in all these different avenues of pleasure. Some of the avenues were wine. He was probably also a foodie. You know, foodie, find good places to eat. You like to do that. Try new places, find good stuff. But anyway, wine, building projects and achievements. I mean, he didn't just pull together properties or projects, breathtaking, breathtaking views. His palace was amazing. Power, possessions, and treasure, entertainment, and sex were some of the other avenues that he had in status. I mean, he's, he's trying to be the one with the, the most. And he actually, he, he got there. He was the one with the most. And so... He is going to draw some conclusions as he walks through this book, and we're, that's why we're here. We're here to learn from him, uh, because God, God allowed this to be in the Scripture so that we could learn from him and his journey and his, his search. 
so Solomon was following his whims and desires. And we're going to find out in the passage we're about to read, he came up empty. Very empty from doing this. This is where you end up if you spend your life following the wrong desires. The way it works is desires are the motor that motivates us to do stuff. We get our engine all revved up about something because we want it or we want to do it or we want to accomplish it or whatever it is. And we get all revved up because we think on the other side is going to be satisfaction. When it comes to desires, we're a mixed bag. There's some good desires, there's some bad desires. Uh, Some desires drive us to fulfill legitimate needs. Uh, Other desires are just ways to exert our will and rebellion against God and what he's, the boundaries he's put up. To have desire, we all all have desire, that's what makes, makes us go. But to have desire means to want something that promises to bring satisfaction or fulfillment. It's what desire is. We dream of things, we desire them, and we want to fulfill our desires because we think that that's the way to find satisfaction. In reality, the desires of our heart are setting the direction of our lives. That, that's where we go. We go with our desires. Let's step back and look briefly at how desire works in us. Uh, here, here's a picture. We have desire. Uh, we want something. It all starts here. We want something, and then we develop a strategy. We come up with a strategy for getting whatever it is we want. And then we get it, and on the other side is satisfaction and enjoyment. That's the basic flow. So let's walk back through this. First of all, we have desires. Uh, we desire something, maybe a TV, maybe a car, or a better car, or a person, or a phone. That's hot lately, isn't it? You know, an iPhone 6, well, I've only got a 4S or whatever. I need the 6. But anyway, we desire something because we think that when we get it, it's going to bring satisfaction. And so I come up with a strategy to get whatever it is I want, and that's what our life is about day in and day out. Day in and day out, what we're doing is the strategy that we put into place to get our desire. That, that's what it is. We have a list of desires. And the ones that rise to the top of our desires are the ones that we develop strategies for that we live out every day. We think when I get it, when I get it, I'm going to have satisfaction, I'm going to have enjoyment, I'm finally going to be where I want to be. So this is important to understand. This, this is the way it works. Because this is the way our lives flow. A major key to living a meaningful life is to say yes to the right desires and no to the wrong desires. That's that's the major key. If we keep saying yes to the wrong desires, we get to the end of our life and we come up empty. There's no meaning. There's no satisfaction or or worse. Our, Our lives are destroyed early on. If, if we're not careful with this, we ruin our stewardships by caving into the wrong desires. You know, I'm married. Maybe, maybe we're, we're married. 
and we see a woman, and I want her right now. That's lust. That's a desire. And if we say yes to that, then what we should do is fast forward to the end when we're packing our bags, saying bye to our kids, saying goodbye to our wife, leaving our house. Because if we say yes to that desire, potential destruction is there. I, you know, another way we deal with this is I've been hurt by someone, and I want to make them pay. That's a desire for revenge. It's one of the desires that, one of the wrong ones that flows, flows in us. I think this is the path to satisfaction. If I could just make them pay enough for what they've done to me. But what happens is when you set your heart on revenge, the bitterness poisons all the other relationships. You know, I want to feel good about myself. This is another way we play this out in our minds. And and I think a successful career is the way to, to do it. Or I think obtaining a certain level of lifestyle is the way to to find satisfaction. And so I become obsessed with getting whatever that is in the way that I want to get it. And I ignore people who are important in my life. I run over other people and maybe even the important people. And I arrive at, maybe, I arrive at whatever it is, empty, not satisfying. God shows us in the scriptures that satisfaction is found when we follow the right desires. We have have to choose the right ones. In his experimental phase, Solomon makes it clear that he didn't hold back on any desire. And he also makes it clear where where he ended up. Look at verses 10 and 11. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, a mist that disappears, and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Just about as jaded as the Rolling Stones were in their song. And he's very jaded at this point. If, and here, here's an important thing to take. He's stopped stepping back and he's evaluating what's going on. He's thinking it through. We need to do that as well. If we don't ever stop to evaluate the outcomes of our choices, uninhibited responses to our desires are going to ruin us and those around us who depend on us. In the 60s, very interesting uh, study was done uh, by a guy at Stanford named Walter Mischel. It became known as the marshmallow test. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen this or heard of this. But what he did is he took a group of four-year-olds and he, he put them in a room alone. They were at a little table. We're going to see a re- reenactment of it uh, in a moment on the screen. But he gave them one marshmallow, and he told them if they could wait and not eat that marshmallow for 20 minutes, they could have another marshmallow. Two-thirds of the kids ate it. Okay, I would have been in that two-thirds because I knew my mom would give me another marshmallow later on. Okay, one-third did not eat it. Now, here's a reenactment. I'd like you to watch it. What can a marshmallow tell you about your kids? 
you might be surprised. Psychologists at Stanford found that kids who could hold off eating one of these did, bitter, did better. Get, get, get your hands off. Did better at school and in life. So we set up our own marshmallow test to see what would happen and what parents could learn about teaching our children self-control. Okay. What is that? It's a marshmallow. But it's not just a marshmallow. Do you like marshmallows? Yeah. It's what's going to make the next 15 minutes feel like 15 hours for the kids at the Edina Family Center. You can either eat this marshmallow now. I need that marshmallow now. Well, just wait. let me tell you what the deal is. So you can either eat it now or wait until we come back and you'll get two. Um, I want two. Dr. David Walsh is a big fan of the original marshmallow test research. He wrote about it in his book, No, Why Kids of All Ages Need to Hear It and Ways Parents Can Say It. The genius of the experiment, however, was that they followed those children for 18 years. And Amelia, the ability to wait for the second marshmallow was an amazingly strong predictor of their success in school, their adjustment, their happiness, even their popularity. What does it mean when a child does eat the marshmallow? You know, we're not predicting that any of these kids are going to be either good at self-discipline or not. What we really want to do is help parents try to figure out how can we help our kids develop more self-discipline. Because we do know from a ton of research that that is a key success factor for kids, the ability to say no to themselves. What can a marshmallow tell you about your interesting, isn't it? That's a key success factor in kids is being able to say no right now for a better reward later on. <laughs> Could have read the Bible and figured that out. That's, that's what it means to follow God. That, that's what it means to follow him. You say no right now to the wrong desires, knowing that you're going to get a greater reward from him as you walk on through life. That's what they found. Being able to say no is crucial, uh, being able to say no today. So the key to a life of meaning, and this is the way it works, is you, you keep saying yes to the right things, to the right desires. And you're, you refuse by the help of, and grace of God to be mastered by the wrong desires. That's the key. If you keep saying yes to the right things, the right desires in your life, then what happens is, over time, you live a life that you can look back on and you can say, that, that thank you, God, for what you've done in me, what you've done through me, the way you've blessed me and my family and those who are around there. Your, your circumstances may or not be any better, but you've lived a life of incredible meaning. So this is important. There are three ways to help control your response uh, to your desires. And so let's look at how to keep saying yes to the good desires. First one, walk daily with God and tap into his power. God is the only one who can give you what you really need. And he does this as you choose to follow him day in and day out. So that's when you decide to follow Christ, what you're saying is, Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, I am going to do what you want and set my heart on pleasing you every day of my life. Now, we mess up. We still cave to, to wrong desires. But that's the, the pattern of our life is to please him. That's our number one desire. So it's a fight. What happens is, 
we, we make this commitment, God, you're going to be my number one desire. And then the battle begins. It, the fight ensues. Because what happens is, when you decide to follow Christ, it, it, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. God himself comes in and lives in, inside of you. And, and you, <clears throat> you recognize the difference. Like you, you want to, he motivates you. He brings things to mind. He actually brings the wrong desires to mind. And he helps you see things more clearly, what's going on. But the flesh, the, the Bible calls this the flesh, still remains in us. That's the desire to do things our old way and use our old strategies to get what we want and still wanting the old things. So this battle begins. The desires of the spirit are opposed to the desires of the flesh, Scripture says, to prevent you from doing what you would. That's going on. Now, the one who wins on a daily basis is the one whom we feed. If we feed the desires of the Spirit by listening to God in His Word on a regular basis, letting Him speak to us, if we pray, ask God to to give us the power and the strength to uh, follow Him and to say no and to the wrong things, yes to the right things, then the Holy Spirit leads us to win, to victory. God it's, it's like a switch or a plug. God never, he's always a gentleman. He never forces himself on you, even after you've decided to follow Christ. He'll let you live your life your way if you want to. The consequences are there that you're going to have to pay a price for. But he, he, he will let you go on and do what you want. It's like owning an electric car. We, we forget to plug it in. It's not charged. We go out, try to start our, you know, I don't know what it does. I don't know what an electric car does. It might just go click. That's probably what it does. I'm not sure. We don't get very far on our own power. So God is the only one who can meet your deepest needs. And at the same time, He wants to provide you the power to say no to the wrong things every day of your life, but you have to rely on him. You have to keep letting him speak to you through your word on a daily, through his word on a daily basis. And you, you need to plug in to walking with him. And, and then he, he helps you. Another thing he'll help with if you ask him is he'll help you trace the root of the outcomes you're experiencing. You know, we, we choose what we're going to say and do, and then there's outcome from that. There's something that happens in the world by, because of what we do and what we say. The Bible tends to picture this as the fruit of the choices we make. So every day we do that. We say and do things that bring results. One key to learning to choose the right desires is to pay attention to the outcomes of your choices. And like I said, God will help with this if we ask him. And, and actually, that's the scriptures really show us the, the difference between the choices we're making. But if we play, pay close attention, it really helps. So how, how did that attitude work out for you? Did the boss really respond to that one? 
Did it go well? You know, just, just learn, God, help me. Help me to choose a better attitude. That didn't go very well. Would you help me with this? What about the choice of the words that you use directed at your spouse? How'd that go? How'd that play out? Basically, make a note of how your choices bring good fruit or bad fruit, good outcomes or bad outcomes, and um, trace the root, start with what's going on, because it's very easy to get frustrated with what's going on, struggles in friendships, relationships, and we get frustrated, but we don't take the step to, to think about where's this coming from, what is my part in this, how is this playing out here? And trace it back. Ask God to help you with this. If, if we walk in him, then he gives us the help. Some of those roots are very strong. Boy, I mean, pulling them out, that, that's, it's, it's hard. He'll help with that. He'll give the power and the strength to help you pull those roots out if you rely on him. If you make yourself open to his words and to... Uh, his strength, his power. Um, some consequences from my sin have impact, impacted me alone, and others have sort of a ripple effect. They affect people around me. Learn to watch what happens and how what you're doing is affecting those you love. And then that motivates me to stop the wrong desires. But you have to stop back here you're, because what's happening is we have these desires, they well up, and we're deciding which ones go to the top, and we have to learn to, to keep the right ones at the top of the list that we strategy, we play our strategy out to do. The final thing that will really help with um, controlling our responses to desires is to pick wise friends. The people you run with in life affect you more than you know. They just, they just do. Who are you doing life with? Is there anyone who really knows you, who is wise? Um, are, there, are there people who challenge you, that you hang out with on a regular basis, who challenge you to say yes to the right desires? Are there people that you, you get around and you think, oh, I wish, wish I was more like that. I really need that. And, and they challenge just by their life. Their examples either push you forward or pull you forward. You have people like that. Who, who knows you? Who knows what's going on in your life, the desires that you're struggling with? I mean, you, you don't want to let everybody know, you know, TMI sometimes on that. But you need to have one or two people that know what you're dealing with and going through that, that can really help you work through those things. It's, it's very important. Um, God, God uses others to motivate us in the right direction. This, this is how God works. He uses his word. We have the resource of prayer. He gives us insight. I've, I've given you some references next to those last three points that you can look up during the week. But he helps us. Maturity in Scripture is defined as being able to, to distinguish between good and evil. You, you learn that from God's word. We, we have to cooperate with him. We have to make choices. We aren't just magically uh, broken free from the wrong desires. 
they can master us. So we have to we have to learn to fight. We have to learn to to rely on God to help us with these. We all choose which desires we think are going to bring satisfaction. We need God's help. And we need the help of those who walk with him to follow the right desires. I'd like to wrap up in a little different way uh, this morning. I'd like to show you a clip from a movie that's in the theaters right now. Um, we, we saw the movie on Friday night. It's called The Song. And it's sort of a parable. A little description before we went to the movie said it's based on the Song of Solomon. And I thought, well, I think that'd be rated R at least. And it's a PG-13. Um, but really what it's based on is Ecclesiastes. So Cindy and I are sitting there watching the, the movie, and I said, this is like the, the series we're dealing with right now. Well, anyway, I'd like to show you this, uh, which is sort of like we've had the Rolling Stones. We've looked at what Solomon said, and this is like a, a modern-day parable of Ecclesiastes. It's heart-wrenching. The movie's heart-wrenching. It's, it's, I like to go to these Christian films because I like to see if they're making progress or not at, you know, in, in the, the crafting of the movie and then what they're trying to accomplish with it. Um, this one wasn't the kind of thing you go to to feel good about life necessarily. It was kind of heart-wrenching. So I wouldn't go if you, if you need a good, happy movie. But it, it very effectively showed the consequences of sin. It showed the consequences of choices and giving in to desires. And so I'd like to just show it uh, as a clip that sort of wraps up what we've talked about this morning, and um, it reflects what we've been looking at in the passage. So let's watch it together. Do you ever feel like you don't write your own songs? Hmm? Like they were given to you? I am. God. What if he takes them away? Why? Because he doesn't like what you're doing? Look at the world, Jed. You like what he's doing? The first time I heard your music, I thought, this is it. This guy really gets it. This is what I need. But I also thought, you know, if only he weren't so... Married. Narrow. Think of the music he could write if he just let go and lived without all of these rules. And then I realized I can help him let go. He needs me too. I thought I was going to die out there. I don't ever want to feel like that again. You won't. I tried sharing myself with wine and embracing folly. <laughs> Laughter is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? This is what's happening right now. The heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Because a sad face is good for the heart. What do you think? You're the expert. What do you think? 
I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Another rock star who ended up empty. Uh, that's not a spoiler. You have to wait and see the end of it if you'd like. But I'd like, I'd like you to take a few minutes uh, as the band comes up and uh, gets ready to lead us in the next song. Take a few moments to think about your next steps. Uh, we usually write them out for you. We didn't uh, write them out for you today. But I want you to just think about what God said to you this morning and, and what is one step that you want to take as a result of getting into his word today? Uh, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word that guides us. Father, help us to have the power to say yes to you, to, to the right desires, the ones that please you, and no to the wrong ones and not be mastered by them. God, we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> 